2 Samuel chapter 10. Later, the king of the Ammonites died, and his son, Hanan, succeeded him. David said, I will express my loyalty to Hanan, son of Nahash, just as his father was loyal to me. So David sent his servants, with a message expressing sympathy over his father's death. When David's servants entered the land of the Ammonites, the Ammonite officials said to their lord Hanan, Do you really think David is trying to honor your father by sending these messengers to express his sympathy? No, David has sent his servants to you to get information about the city and spy on it so they can overthrow it. So Hanan seized David's servants and shaved off half of each one's beard. He cut the lower part of their robes off so that their buttocks were exposed and then sent them away. Messengers told David what had happened, so he sent them to the men who were thoroughly humiliated. The king said, Stay in Jericho until your beards have grown again, then you may come back. When the Ammonites realized that David was disgusted with them, they sent and hired 20,000 foot soldiers from Aram Beth Rehob and Aram Zobah, in addition to 1,000 men from the king of Maacah and 12,000 men from Ishtob. When David heard the news, he sent Joab and the entire army to meet them. The Ammonites marched out and were deployed for battle at the entrance of the city gate, while the men of Aram Zobah, Rehob, Ishtob, and Maacah were by themselves in the field. When Joab saw that the battle would be fought on two fronts, he chose some of Israel's best men and deployed them against the Arameans. He put his brother Abishai in charge of the rest of the army, and they were deployed against the Ammonites. Joab said, If the Arameans start to overpower me, you come to my rescue. If the Ammonites start to overpower you, I will come to your rescue. Be strong. Let's fight bravely for the sake of our people and the cities of our God. The Lord will do what he decides is best. So Joab and his men marched out to do battle with the Arameans, and they fled before them. When the Ammonites saw the Arameans flee, they fled before his brother Abishai and went into the city. Joab withdrew from fighting the Ammonites and returned to Jerusalem. When the Arameans realized they had been defeated by Israel, they consolidated their forces. Then Hadad-Ezer sent for Arameans from beyond the Euphrates River, and they came to Helam. Shobach, the general in command of Hadad-Ezer's army, led them. When David was informed, he gathered all Israel, crossed the Jordan River, and came to Helam. The Arameans deployed their forces against David and fought with him. The Arameans fled before Israel. David killed 700 Aramean charioteers and 40,000 foot soldiers. He also struck down Shobach, the general in command of the army, who died there. When all the kings who were subject to Hadad-Ezer saw they were defeated by Israel, they made peace with Israel and became subjects of Israel. The Arameans were no longer willing to help the Ammonites. Second Samuel chapter 11 In the spring of the year, at the time when kings normally conduct wars, David sent out Joab with his officers and the entire Israelite army. They defeated the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David stayed behind in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of his palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. Now this woman was very attractive. 
So David sent someone to inquire about the woman. The messenger said, Isn't this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? David sent some messengers to get her. She came to him, and he went to bed with her. Now at that time she was in the process of purifying herself from her menstrual uncleanness. Then she returned to her home. The woman conceived, and then sent word to David, saying, I am pregnant. So David sent a message to Joab that said, Send me Uriah the Hittite. So Joab sent Uriah to David. When Uriah came to him, David asked about how Joab and the army were doing and how the campaign was going. Then David said to Uriah, Go down to your home and relax. When Uriah left the palace, the king sent a gift to him. But Uriah stayed at the door of the palace with all the servants of his lord. He did not go down to his house. So they informed David, Uriah has not gone down to his house. So David said to Uriah, Haven't you just arrived from a journey? Why haven't you gone down to your house? Uriah replied to David, The ark and Israel and Judah reside in temporary shelters, and my lord Joab and my lord's soldiers are camping in the open field. Should I go to my house and eat and drink and go to bed with my wife? As surely as you are alive, I will not do this thing. So David said to Uriah, Stay here another day. Tomorrow I will send you back. So Uriah stayed in Jerusalem, both that day and the following one. Then David summoned him. He ate and drank with him and got him drunk. But in the evening he went out to sleep on his bed with the servants of his lord. He did not go down to his own house. In the morning David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it with Uriah. In the letter he wrote, Station Uriah at the front in the thick of the battle, and then withdraw from him, so he will be cut down and killed. So as Joab kept watch on the city, he stationed Uriah at the place where he knew the best enemy soldiers were. When the men of the city came out and fought with Joab, some of David's soldiers fell in battle. Uriah the Hittite also died. Then Joab sent a full battle report to David. He instructed the messenger as follows, when you finish giving the battle report to the king, if the king becomes angry and asks you, why did you go so close to the city to fight? Didn't you realize they would shoot from the wall? Who struck down Abimelech, the son of Jerubbesheth? Didn't a woman throw an upper millstone down on him from the wall, so that he died in Thebes? Why did you go so close to the wall? Just say to him, your servant Uriah the Hittite is also dead. So the messenger departed. When he arrived, he informed David of all the news that Joab had sent with him. The messenger said to David, The men overpowered us and attacked us in the field, but we forced them to retreat all the way to the door of the city gate. Then the archers shot at your servants from the wall, and some of the king's soldiers died. Your servant Uriah the Hittite is also dead. David said to the messenger, Tell Joab, don't let this thing upset you. There is no way to anticipate whom the sword will cut down. Press the battle against the city and conquer it. Encourage him with these words. When Uriah's wife heard that her husband Uriah was dead, she mourned for him. When the time of mourning passed, David had her brought to his palace. She became his wife, 
and she bore him a son. But what David had done upset the Lord. Second Samuel chapter 12 So the Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to David, Nathan said, There were two men in a certain city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a great many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except for a little lamb he had acquired. He raised it, and it grew up alongside him and his children. It used to eat his food, drink from his cup, and sleep in his arms. It was just like a daughter to him. When a traveler arrived at the rich man's home, he did not want to use one of his own sheep or cattle to feed the traveler who had come to visit him. Instead, he took the poor man's lamb and cooked it for the man who had come to visit him. Then David became very angry at this man. He said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this deserves to die. Because he committed this cold-hearted crime, he must pay for the lamb four times over. Nathan said to David, You are that man. This is what the Lord God of Israel has said. I chose you to be king over Israel, and I rescued you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house, and I put your master's wives into your arms. I also gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if all that somehow seems insignificant, I would have given you so much more as well. Why have you shown contempt for the Lord's decrees by doing evil in my sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and you have taken his wife to be your own wife. You have killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. So now the sword will never depart from your house, for you have despised me by taking the wife of Uriah the Hittite as your own. This is what the Lord has said. I am about to bring disaster on you from inside your own household. Right before your eyes, I will take your wives and hand them over to your companion. He will go to bed with your wives in broad daylight. Although you have acted in secret, I will do this thing before all Israel and in broad daylight. Then David exclaimed to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied to David, Yes, and the Lord has forgiven your sin. You are not going to die. Nonetheless, because you have treated the Lord with such contempt in this matter, the son who has been born to you will certainly die. Then Nathan went to his home. The Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife had borne to David, and the child became very ill. Then David prayed to God for the child and fasted. He would even go and spend the night lying on the ground. The elders of his house stood over him and tried to lift him from the ground, but he was unwilling and refused to eat food with them. On the seventh day the child died. But the servants of David were afraid to inform him that the child had died, for they said, While the child was still alive, he would not listen to us when we spoke to him. How can we tell him that the child is dead? He will do himself harm. When David saw that his servants were whispering to one another, he realized that the child was dead. So David asked his servants, Is the child dead? They replied, Yes, he's dead. So David got up from the ground, bathed, put on oil, and changed his clothes. He went to the house of the Lord and worshipped. 
Then, when he entered his palace, he requested that food be brought to him, and he ate. His servants said to him, What is this that you have done? While the child was still alive, you fasted and wept. Once the child was dead, you got up and ate food. He replied, While the child was still alive, I fasted and wept, because I thought, Perhaps the Lord will show pity, and the child will live. But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Am I able to bring him back at this point? I will go to him, but he cannot return to me. So David comforted his wife Bathsheba. He came to her and went to bed with her. Later she gave birth to a son, and David named him Solomon. Now the Lord loved the child and sent word through Nathan the prophet that he should be named Jedidiah for the Lord's sake. So Joab fought against Rabbah of the Ammonites and captured the royal city. Joab then sent messengers to David, saying, I have fought against Rabbah and have captured the water supply of the city. So now, assemble the rest of the army and besiege the city and capture it. Otherwise, I will capture the city and it will be named for me. So David assembled all the army and went to Rabbah and fought against it and captured it. He took the crown of their king from his head. It was gold, weighed about seventy-five pounds, and held a precious stone, and it was placed on David's head. He also took from the city a great deal of plunder. He removed the people who were in it and made them labor with saws, iron picks, and iron axes, putting them to work at the brick kiln. This was his policy with all the Ammonite cities. Then David and all the army returned to Jerusalem. Second Samuel chapter 13. Now David's son, Absalom, had a beautiful sister named Tamar. In the course of time, David's son Amnon fell madly in love with her. But Amnon became frustrated because he was so lovesick over his sister Tamar. For she was a virgin, and to Amnon it seemed out of the question to do anything to her. Now Amnon had a friend named Jonadab, the son of David's brother Shimea, Jonadab was a very crafty man. He asked Amnon, Why are you, the king's son, so depressed every morning? Can't you tell me? So Amnon said to him, I'm in love with Tamar, the sister of my brother Absalom. Jonadab replied to him, Lie down on your bed and pretend to be sick. When your father comes in to see you, say to him, Please let my sister Tamar come in so she can fix some food for me. Let her prepare the food in my sight so I can watch then I will eat from her hand. So Amnon lay down and pretended to be sick. When the king came in to see him, Amnon said to the king, Please, let my sister Tamar come in, so she can make a couple of cakes in my sight. Then I will eat from her hand. So David sent Tamar to the house, saying, Please, go to the house of Amnon, your brother, and prepare some food for him. So Tamar went to the house of Amnon, her brother, who was lying down. She took the dough, kneaded it, made some cakes while he watched, and baked them. But when she took the pan and set it before him, he refused to eat. Instead, Amnon said, Get everyone out of here. So everyone left. Then Amnon said to Tamar, Bring the cakes into the bedroom, then I will eat from your hand. So Tamar took the cakes that she had prepared and brought them to her brother Amnon in the bedroom. As she brought them to him to eat, 
He grabbed her and said to her, Come on, get in bed with me, my sister. But she said to him, No, my brother, no, don't humiliate me. This just isn't done in Israel. Don't do this foolish thing. How could I ever be rid of my humiliation? And you would be considered one of the fools in Israel. Just speak to the king, for he will not withhold me from you. But he refused to listen to her. He overpowered her and humiliated her by raping her. Then Amnon greatly despised her. His disdain toward her surpassed the love he had previously felt toward her. Amnon said to her, Get up and leave. But she said to him, No, I won't, for sending me away now would be worse than what you did to me earlier. But he refused to listen to her. He called his personal attendant and said to him, Take this woman out of my sight and lock the door behind her. Now she was wearing a long robe, for this is what the king's virgin daughters used to wear. So Amnon's attendant removed her and bolted the door behind her. Then Tamar put ashes on her head and tore the long robe she was wearing. She put her hands on her head and went on her way, wailing as she went. Her brother Absalom said to her, Was Amnon your brother with you? Now be quiet, my sister. He is your brother. Don't take it so seriously. Tamar, devastated, lived in the house of her brother Absalom. Now King David heard about all these things and was very angry. But Absalom said nothing to Amnon, either bad or good. Yet Absalom hated Amnon because he had humiliated his sister Tamar. Two years later, Absalom's sheep shearers were in Baal Hazor, near Ephraim. Absalom invited all the king's sons. Then Absalom went to the king and said, My shearers have begun their work. Let the king and his servants go with me. But the king said to Absalom, No, my son, we shouldn't all go. We shouldn't burden you in that way. Though Absalom pressed him, the king was not willing to go. Instead, David blessed him. Then Absalom said, If you will not go, then let my brother Amnon go with us. The king replied to him, Why should he go with you? But when Absalom pressed him, he sent Amnon and all the king's sons along with him. Absalom instructed his servants, Look, when Amnon is drunk and I say to you, Strike Amnon down, kill him then and there. Don't fear, is it not I who have given you these instructions? Be strong and courageous. So Absalom's servants did to Amnon exactly what Absalom had instructed. Then all the king's sons got up, each one rode away on his mule and fled. While they were still on their way, the following report reached David. Absalom has killed all the king's sons, not one of them is left. Then the king stood up and tore his garments and lay down on the ground. All his servants were standing there with torn garments as well. Jonadab, the son of David's brother Shimea, said, My lord should not say they have killed all the young men who are the king's sons, for only Amnon is dead. This is what Absalom has talked about from the day that Amnon humiliated his sister Tamar. Now don't let my lord the king be concerned about the report that has come saying all the king's sons are dead. It is only Amnon who is dead. In the meantime, Absalom fled. When the servant who was the watchman looked up, he saw many people coming from the west on a road beside the hill. Jonadab said to the king, Look, the king's sons have come. It's just as I said. 
Just as he finished speaking, the king's sons arrived, wailing and weeping. The king and all his servants wept loudly as well. But Absalom fled and went to King Talmai, son of Amihud of Geshur. And David grieved over his son every day. After Absalom fled and went to Geshur, he remained there for three years. The king longed to go to Absalom, for he had since been consoled over the death of Amnon. Second Samuel chapter 14 Now Joab, son of Zeruiah, realized that the king longed to see Absalom. So Joab sent to Tekoa and brought from there a wise woman. He told her, Pretend to be in mourning and put on garments of mourning. Don't anoint yourself with oil. Instead, act like a woman who has been in mourning for the dead for some time. Go to the king and speak to him in the following fashion. Then Joab told her what to say. So the Tekoan woman went to the king. She bowed down with her face to the ground, in deference to him, and said, Please help me, O king. The king replied to her, What do you want? He answered, I am a widow. My husband is dead. Your servant has two sons. When the two of them got into a fight in the field, there was no one present who could intervene. One of them struck the other and killed him. Now the entire family has risen up against your servant, saying, Turn over the one who has struck down his brother, so that we can execute him and avenge the death of his brother whom he killed. In so doing, we will also destroy the heir. They want to extinguish my remaining coal, leaving no one on the face of the earth to carry on the name of my husband. Then the king told the woman, Go to your home. I will give instructions concerning your situation. The Tekoan woman said to the king, My lord the king, let any blame fall on me and on the house of my father, but let the king and his throne be innocent. The king said, Bring to me whoever speaks to you, and he won't bother you again. She replied, In that case, let the king invoke the name of the Lord your God, so that the avenger of blood may not add to the killing. Then they will not destroy my son. He replied, As surely as the Lord lives, not a single hair of your son's head will fall to the ground. Then the woman said, Please permit your servant to speak to my lord the king about another matter. He replied, Tell me. The woman said, Why have you devised something like this against God's people? When the king speaks in this fashion, he makes himself guilty, for the king has not brought back the one he has banished. Certainly we must die, and are like water spilled on the ground that cannot be gathered up again. But God does not take away life. Instead, he devises ways for the banished to be restored. I have now come to speak with my lord the king about this matter, because the people have made me fearful. But your servant said, I will speak to the king. Perhaps the king will do what his female servant asks. Yes, the king may listen, and deliver his female servant from the hand of the man who seeks to remove both me and my son from the inheritance God has given us. So your servant said, May the word of my lord the king be my security. For the lord my king is like the angel of God when it comes to deciding between right and wrong. May the lord your God be with you. Then the king replied to the woman, Don't hide any information from me when I question you. The woman said, 
Let my lord the king speak. The king said, Did Joab put you up to all this? The woman answered, As surely as you live, my lord the king, there is no deviation to the right or to the left from all that my lord the king has said, for your servant Joab gave me instructions. He has put all these words in your servant's mouth. Your servant Joab did this so as to change this situation. But my lord has wisdom like that of the angel of God and knows everything that is happening in the land. Then the king said to Joab, All right, I will do this thing. Go and bring back the young man Absalom. Then Joab bowed down with his face toward the ground and thanked the king. Joab said, Today your servant knows that I have found favor in your sight, my lord the king, because the king has granted the request of your servant. So Joab got up and went to Geshur and brought Absalom back to Jerusalem. But the king said, Let him go over to his own house. He may not see my face. So Absalom went over to his own house. He did not see the king's face. Now in all Israel, everyone acknowledged that there was no man as handsome as Absalom. From the soles of his feet to the top of his head, he was perfect in appearance. When he would shave his head, at the end of every year he used to shave his head, for it grew too long and he would shave it. He used to weigh the hair of his head at three pounds, according to the king's weight. Absalom had three sons and one daughter, whose name was Tamar. She was a very attractive woman. Absalom lived in Jerusalem for two years without seeing the king's face. Then Absalom sent a message to Joab, asking him to send him to the king, but Joab was not willing to come to him. So he sent a second message to him, but he still was not willing to come. So he said to his servants, Look, Joab has a portion of field adjacent to mine, and he has some barley there. Go and set it on fire. So Absalom's servants set Joab's portion of the field on fire. Then Joab got up and came to Absalom's house. He said to him, Why did your servant set my portion of field on fire? Absalom said to Joab, Look, I sent a message to you saying, Come here, so that I can send you to the king with this message. Why have I come from Geshur? It would be better for me if I were still there. Let me now see the face of the king. If I am at fault, let him put me to death. So Joab went to the king and informed him. The king summoned Absalom, and he came to the king. Absalom bowed down before the king with his face toward the ground, and the king kissed him. Second Samuel chapter 15 Sometime later, Absalom managed to acquire a chariot and horses, as well as fifty men, to serve as his royal guard. Now Absalom used to get up early and stand beside the road that led to the city gate. Whenever anyone came by who had a complaint to bring to the king for arbitration, Absalom would call out to him, What city are you from? The person would answer, I, your servant, am from one of the tribes of Israel. Absalom would then say to him, Look, your claims are legitimate and appropriate, but there is no representative of the king who will listen to you. Absalom would then say, If only they would make me a judge in the land, then everyone who had a judicial complaint could come to me, and I would make sure he receives a just settlement. When someone approached to bow before him, Absalom would extend his hand and embrace him and kiss him. 
Absalom acted this way toward everyone in Israel who came to the king for justice. In this way, Absalom won the loyalty of the citizens of Israel. After four years, Absalom said to the king, Let me go and repay my vow that I made to the Lord while I was in Hebron, for I made this vow when I was living in Geshur in Aram. If the Lord really does allow me to return to Jerusalem, I will serve the Lord. The king replied to him, Go in peace. So Absalom got up and went to Hebron. Then Absalom sent spies through all the tribes of Israel who said, When you hear the sound of the horn, you may assume that Absalom rules in Hebron. Now two hundred men had gone with Absalom from Jerusalem. Since they were invited, they went naively and were unaware of what Absalom was planning. While he was offering sacrifices, Absalom sent for Ahithophel, the Gilonite, David's advisor, to come from his city, Gilo. The conspiracy was gaining momentum, and the people were starting to side with Absalom. Then a messenger came to David and reported, The men of Israel are loyal to Absalom. So David said to all his servants who were with him in Jerusalem, Come on, let's escape, otherwise no one will be delivered from Absalom. Go immediately, or else he will quickly overtake us and bring disaster on us and kill the city's residents with the sword. The king's servants replied to the king, We will do whatever our lord the king decides. So the king and all the members of his royal court set out on foot, though the king left behind ten concubines to attend to the palace. The king and all the people set out on foot, pausing at a spot some distance away. All his servants were leaving with him, along with the Kirathites, all the Pelathites, and all the Gittites, some six hundred men who had come on foot from Gath. They were leaving with the king. Then the king said to Ittai, the Gittite, why should you come with us? Go back and stay with the new king, for you are a foreigner and an exile from your own country. It seems as if you arrived just yesterday. Today, should I make you wander around by going with us? I go where I must go, but as for you, go back and take your men with you. May genuine, loyal love protect you. But Ittai replied to the king, As surely as the Lord lives, and as my lord the king lives, Wherever the Lord, the King is, whether it means death or life, there I will be as well. So David said to Ittai, Come along then. So Ittai the Gittite went along, accompanied by all his men and all the dependents who were with him. All the land was weeping loudly as all these people were leaving. As the king was crossing over the Kidron Valley, all the people were leaving on the road that leads to the desert. Zadok and all the Levites who were with him were carrying the Ark of the Covenant of God. When they positioned the Ark of God, Abiathar offered sacrifices until all the people had finished leaving the city. Then the king said to Zadok, Take the Ark of God back to the city. If I find favor in the Lord's sight, he will bring me back and enable me to see both it and his dwelling place again. However, if he should say, I do not take pleasure in you, then he will deal with me in a way that he considers appropriate. The king said to Zadok the priest, Are you a seer? Go back to the city in peace. Your son Ahimaaz and Abiathar's son Jonathan may go with you and Abiathar. Look, I will be waiting at the fords of the desert until the word from you reaches me. So Zadok and Abiathar took the ark of God back to Jerusalem 
and remained there. As David was going up the Mount of Olives, he was weeping as he went. His head was covered and his feet were bare. All the people who were with him also had their heads covered and were weeping as they went up. Now David had been told Ahithophel had sided with the conspirators who are with Absalom. So David prayed, Make the advice of Ahithophel foolish, O Lord. When David reached the summit, where he used to worship God, Hushai, the archite, met him with his clothes torn and dirt on his head. David said to him, If you leave with me, you will be a burden to me, but you will be able to counter the advice of Ahithophel if you go back to the city and say to Absalom, I will be your servant, O king. Previously I was your father's servant, and now I will be your servant. Zadok and Abiathar, the priests, will be there with you. Everything you hear in the king's palace, you must tell Zadok and Abiathar, the priests. Furthermore, their two sons are there with them, Zadok's son Ahimaaz and Abiathar's son Jonathan. You must send them to me with any information you hear. So David's friend Hushai arrived in the city, just as Absalom was entering Jerusalem. Second Samuel chapter 16 When David had gone a short way beyond the summit, Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, was there to meet him. He had a couple of donkeys that were saddled, and on them were two hundred loaves of bread, one hundred raisin cakes, one hundred baskets of summer fruit, and a container of wine. The king asked Ziba, Why did you bring these things? Ziba replied, The donkeys are for the king's family to ride on, the loaves of bread and the summer fruit are for the attendants to eat, and the wine is for those who get exhausted in the desert. The king asked, Where is your master's grandson? Ziba replied to the king, He remains in Jerusalem, for he said, Today the house of Israel will give back to me my grandfather's kingdom. The king said to Ziba, Everything that was Mephibosheth's now belongs to you. Ziba replied, I bow before you. May I find favor in your sight, my lord the king. Then David reached Bahurim. There a man from Saul's extended family, named Shimei, son of Gera, came out, yelling curses as he approached. He threw stones at David and all of King David's servants, as well as all the people and the soldiers who were on his right and on his left. As he yelled curses, Shimei said, Leave! Leave, you man of bloodshed, you wicked man! The Lord has punished you for all the spilled blood of the house of Saul, in whose place you rule. Now the Lord has given the kingdom into the hand of your son Absalom, Disaster has overtaken you, for you are a man of bloodshed. Then Abishai, son of Zeruiah, said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over and cut off his head. But the king said, What do we have in common, you sons of Zeruiah? If he curses, because the lord has said to him, Curse David, who can say to him, Why have you done this? Then David said to Abishai and to all his servants, My own son, my very own flesh and blood, is trying to take my life. So also now this Benjaminite. Leave him alone so that he can curse, for the Lord has spoken to him. Perhaps the Lord will notice my affliction, and this day grant me good in place of his curse. So David and his men went on their way. But Shimei kept going along the side of the hill opposite him, yelling curses as he threw stones and dirt at them. 
The king and all the people who were with him arrived exhausted at their destination, where David refreshed himself. Now when Absalom and all the men of Israel arrived in Jerusalem, Ahithophel was with him. When David's friend Hushai the archite came to Absalom, Hushai said to him, Long live the king! Long live the king! Absalom said to Hushai, Do you call this loyalty to your friend? Why didn't you go with your friend? Hushai replied to Absalom, No, I will be loyal to the one whom the Lord, these people, and all the men of Israel have chosen. Moreover, whom should I serve? Should it not be his son? Just as I served your father, so I will serve you. Then Absalom said to Ahithophel, Give us your advice. What should we do? Ahithophel replied to Absalom, Sleep with your father's concubines whom he left to care for the palace. All Israel will hear that you have made yourself repulsive to your father. Then your followers will be motivated to support you. So they pitched a tent for Absalom on the roof, and Absalom slept with his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel. In those days, Ahithophel's advice was considered as valuable as a prophetic revelation. Both David and Absalom highly regarded the advice of Ahithophel. Second Samuel chapter 17 Ahithophel said to Absalom, Let me pick out twelve thousand men. Then I will go and pursue David this very night. When I catch up with him, he will be exhausted and worn out. I will rout him, and the entire army that is with him will flee. I will kill only the king, and will bring the entire army back to you. In exchange for the life of the man you are seeking, you will get back everyone. The entire army will return unharmed. This seemed like a good idea to Absalom, and to all the leaders of Israel. But Absalom said, Call for Hushai, the archite, and let's hear what he has to say. So Hushai came to Absalom. Absalom said to him, Here is what Ahithophel has advised. Should we follow his advice? If not, what would you recommend? Hushai replied to Absalom, Ahithophel's advice is not sound this time. Hushai went on to say, You know your father and his men. They are soldiers and are as dangerous as a bear out in the wild that has been robbed of her cubs. Your father is an experienced soldier. He will not stay overnight with the army. At this very moment, he is hiding out in one of the caves or in some other similar place. If it should turn out that he attacks our troops first, whoever hears about it will say, Absalom's army has been slaughtered. If that happens, even the bravest soldier, one who is lion-hearted, will virtually melt away. For all Israel knows that your father is a warrior, and that those who are with him are brave. My advice, therefore, is this. Let all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, in number like the sand of the sea, be mustered to you, and you lead them personally into battle. We will come against him wherever he happens to be found. We will descend on him like the dew falls on the ground. Neither he nor any of the men who are with him will be spared alive, not one of them. If he regroups in a city, all Israel will take up ropes to that city and drag it down to the valley, so that not a single pebble will be left there. Then Absalom and all the men of Israel said, 
The advice of Hushai, the archite, sounds better than the advice of Ahithophel. Now the Lord had decided to frustrate the sound advice of Ahithophel, so that the Lord could bring disaster on Absalom. Then Hushai reported to Zadok and Abiathar the priests, Here is what Ahithophel has advised Absalom and the leaders of Israel to do, and here is what I have advised. Now send word quickly to David and warn him. Don't spend the night at the fords of the wilderness tonight. Instead, be sure you cross over, or else the king and everyone who is with him may be overwhelmed. Now Jonathan and Ahimaaz were staying in Enrogil. A female servant would go and inform them, and they would then go and inform King David. It was not advisable for them to be seen going into the city. But a young man saw them on one occasion and informed Absalom. So the two of them quickly departed and went to the house of a man in Bahurim. There was a well in his courtyard, and they got down in it. His wife then took the covering and spread it over the top of the well and scattered some grain over it. No one was aware of what she had done. When the servants of Absalom approached the woman at her home, they asked, Where are Ahimehaz and Jonathan? The woman replied to them, They crossed over the stream. Absalom's men searched but did not find them, so they returned to Jerusalem. After the men had left, Ahimaaz and Jonathan climbed out of the well. Then they left and informed King David. They advised David, Get up and cross the stream quickly, for Ahithophel has devised a plan to catch you. So David and all the people who were with him got up and crossed the Jordan River. By dawn, there was not one person left who had not crossed the Jordan. When Ahithophel realized that his advice had not been followed, he saddled his donkey and returned to his house in his hometown. After setting his household in order, he hanged himself. So he died and was buried in the grave of his father. Meanwhile, David had gone to Mahanaim, while Absalom and all the men of Israel had crossed the Jordan River. Absalom had made Amasa general in command of the army in place of Joab. Now, Amasa was the son of an Israelite man named Jether, who had married Abigail, the daughter of Nahash, the sister of Zeruiah, Joab's mother. The army of Israel and Absalom camped in the land of Gilead. When David came to Mahanaim, Shobai, the son of Nahash from Rabbah of the Ammonites, Makir, the son of Amiel from Lodeber, and Barzillai, the Gileadite from Rogelim, brought bedding, basins, and pottery utensils. They also brought food for David and all who were with him, including wheat, Barley, flour, roasted grain, beans, lentils, honey, curds, flocks, and cheese. For they said, The people are no doubt hungry, tired, and thirsty there in the desert. Second Samuel chapter 18 David assembled the army that was with him. He appointed leaders of thousands and leaders of hundreds. David then sent out the army, a third under the leadership of Joab, a third under the leadership of Joab's brother Abishai, son of Zeruiah, and a third under the leadership of Ittai, the Gittite. The king said to the troops, I too will indeed march out with you. But the soldiers replied, You should not do this, for if we should have to make a rapid retreat, they won't be concerned about us. Even if half of us should die, they won't be concerned. But you are like ten thousand of us, so it is better if you remain in the city for support. Then the king said to them, I will do whatever seems best to you. 
So the king stayed beside the city gate, while all the army marched out by hundreds and by thousands. The king gave this order to Joab, Abishai, and Ittai. For my sake, deal gently with the young man Absalom. Now the entire army was listening when the king gave all the leaders this order concerning Absalom. Then the army marched out to the field to fight against Israel. The battle took place in the forest of Ephraim. The army of Israel was defeated there by David's men. The slaughter there was great that day. Twenty thousand soldiers were killed. The battle there was spread out over the whole area, and the forest consumed more soldiers than the sword devoured that day. Then Absalom happened to come across David's men. Now as Absalom was riding on his mule, it went under the branches of a large oak tree. His head got caught in the oak tree, and he was suspended in midair, while the mule he had been riding kept going. When one of the men saw this, he reported it to Joab, saying, I saw Absalom hanging in an oak tree. Joab replied to the man who was telling him this, What? You saw this? Why didn't you strike him down right on the spot? I would have given you ten pieces of silver and a commemorative belt. The man replied to Joab, Even if I were receiving one thousand pieces of silver, I would not strike down the king's son. In our very presence, the king gave this order to you and Abishai and Ittai. Protect the young man Absalom for my sake. If I had acted at risk of my own life, and nothing is hidden from the king, you would have abandoned me. Joab replied, I will not wait around like this for you. He took three spears in his hand and thrust them into the middle of Absalom while he was still alive in the middle of the oak tree. Then ten soldiers, who were Joab's armor-bearers, struck Absalom and finished him off. Then Joab blew the trumpet, and the army turned back from chasing Israel, for Joab had called for the army to halt. They took Absalom, threw him into a large pit in the forest, and stacked a huge pile of stones over him. In the meantime, all the Israelite soldiers fled to their homes. Before this, Absalom had set up a monument and dedicated it to himself in the king's valley, reasoning, I have no son who will carry on my name. He named the monument after himself, and to this day it is known as Absalom's Memorial. Then Ahimehaz, the son of Zadok, said, Let me run and give the king the good news that the Lord has vindicated him before his enemies. But Joab said to him, You will not be a bearer of good news today. You will bear good news some other day, but not today, for the king's son is dead. Then Joab said to the Cushite, Go and tell the king what you have seen. After bowing to Joab, the Cushite ran off. Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, again spoke to Joab. Whatever happens, let me go after the Cushite. But Joab said, Why is it that you want to go, my son? You have no good news that will bring you a reward. But he said, Whatever happens, I want to go. So Joab said to him, Then go. So Ahimaaz ran by the way of the Jordan plain, and he passed the Cushite. Now David was sitting between the inner and outer gates, and the watchman went up to the roof over the gate at the wall. When he looked, he saw a man running by himself. So the watchman called out and informed the king. The king said, If he is by himself, he brings good news. The runner came ever closer. Then the watchman saw another man running. The watchman called out to the gatekeeper, there is another man running by himself. 
The king said, This one is also bringing good news. The watchman said, It appears to me that the first runner is Ahimaaz, son of Zadok. The king said, He is a good man, and he comes with good news. Then Ahimaaz called out and said to the king, Greetings! He bowed down before the king with his face toward the ground and said, May the Lord your God be praised, because he has defeated the men who opposed my lord the king. The king replied, How is the young man, Absalom? Ahimaaz replied, I saw a great deal of confusion when Joab was sending the king's servant and me, your servant, but I don't know what it was all about. The king said, Turn aside and take your place here. So he turned aside and waited. Then the Cushite arrived and said, May my lord the king now receive the good news. The lord has vindicated you today and delivered you from the hand of all who have rebelled against you. The king asked the Cushite, How is the young man Absalom? The Cushite replied, May the enemies of my lord the king and all who have plotted against you be like that young man. The king then became very upset. He went up to the upper room over the gate and wept. And as he went, he said, My son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, if only I could have died in your place, Absalom, my son, my son.